everybody. Welcome to today, welcome to 2024, and welcome to Death Valley Girls Podcast. I'm Bonnie, and I talk to heroes about what excites them, and we also talk about the mysteries of the universe. This week stars a very special friend of mine, Dustin Pittman. Dustin is an amazing photographer and has been capturing the underground scene in New York since the 60s. From Warhol to Candy Darling, Jackie Curtis, David Bowie, Iggy Pop, the New York Dolls, Lou Reed, Elton John, Liza Minnelli, the first Pride March in the Village, and he also photographed every single show my first band ever played. Um, he was like a sixth member of the band. Uh, Dustin is family to me, and I'm so excited for you to hear his story. His work is everywhere, and you've definitely seen these photos and admired them and maybe didn't know whose they were, but so many of the great shots are his. Um, he has an exhibit now at the Roxy Hotel in New York until March 12th, and uh, go check it out there or go check it out. Um, his Instagram is Dustin Pop. Um, and now, please welcome to your head and hearts. Dustin Pittman. Hi. Hi, Bonnie. Hi, thanks so, so much. So good to for... see you. Oh, so good to see you. Thank you so much for coming here. My Can pleasure, you... Bonnie, always. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm just super excited to get to talk to you always, but... Um, I feel like I've known you forever, and there's so many questions that I've never asked you um, that I'm super excited to get to ask you, um, but and and see how things have changed over the years. Because uh, when we met, I think if not for you, there would be no evidence of my first band. <laughs> uh, I feel like you went to every show. I I did. I, I did. Yeah, you went to every single show, um, and I think people probably weren't, you know, don't remember what it was like before, but there weren't, you know, people didn't have cameras on their phones, people didn't have phones, um, they were just there, and I guess that's just one question, what do you think, what do you think, like, energetically is, like, the biggest change since uh, before, you know, concerts before there were shows, I mean, phones? Well, you know, rewinding the tape, you know, like when you were, when we, when I first met you, when you were in your first band, like I would carry my cameras, my film cameras around and, and also uh, video cameras. And, you know, I would be right there videotaping you all the time. I have all your shows, but I've never released any of that, you know, that rock and revival tape from 99 to 2007, eight. I never released any of that stuff, any of those pictures, images. There, there was all these bands and to t with on top of that compounding that was not just the bands as you know was the the um venues they played they're all gone now yeah they're all gone they're all you know they're all like mowed over with with high with you know co-ops and high rises and corporations stuff like that so like all those beautiful you know venues like luna lounge and 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 brownies and Chennai, they're they're all gone all those all those Hundreds and hundreds of clubs with those hundreds of bands from all around the world. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. It's really weird. Um, I didn't yeah. really think about that because I don't live there. Um and, and also and also, you know, during that time, you know, yes, there was no there was definitely no iPhones or cell phones. Um, there wasn't a lot of paparazzi. Um, most of the bands were 
very, very um, new and um, they weren't yet, you know, even released, you know, as you know yourself, they were doing EP, you know, small little EPs. They weren't even doing albums yet. You know, they, they weren't that big yet, but, um, you know, even like, you know, bands like, you know, your band, The Witnesses and Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs and, you know, The Libertines came out with their first album, The Bracket and, and, you know, like all those other bands, you know, like, um, and also the venues, like, you know, they were so intimate. There weren't like 250,000 people up at City Field, you know, or Barclays, yeah. you know, <laughs> so, so that we were so intimate. There was like 35, 40 people there. And then afterward, as you know, you know, you were able to like have a drink with the bands. It yeah. was that intimate that like there was community then to me, it was a little more community. And, you know, that's what I documented, not only the, you know, the, your, you know, your band and other hundreds and hundreds of other bands during that rock and roll revival period, um, you know, but also the venues and the people in the venues, you know, yeah. and around me, because, you know, I've never, you know, my big MO, I would take the band, your band and other bands outside and photograph because I wanted to get the locale yeah. and get that, you know old school feeling and now it's really old school because it's not there anymore <laughs> you know yeah. you walk around the east village in chinatown or like you know anywhere it's it's very unrecognizable a lot of yeah it. well when did you will you tell me i guess um i'm really curious about your the history of you becoming a photographer and when you where you're from and when you got into the city um and uh and how you got into the factory well, I, I was really lucky. I guess it was the right place at the right time. First of all, my great-great-grandfather, and I've said this in interviews before, but my great-great-grandfather and my grandfather and my great-aunt were photographers. They dabbled in photography. And they you would take pictures, and, you know, they would store them in a cigar box then. You know, yeah. it wasn't like a, you know, a box, shoe box, a cigar box. Yeah, but that's any funny. <laughs> Yeah. And like, the thing is, I would go over to their houses and, you know, just spend hours and hours and hours of going over these images. And, oh. you know, they would explain it to me and not necessarily the technical part of it, but mostly the mystical part about the images, the mystical part. The what do you mean by that? Well, you know, I really believe that a lot of like, I'll give you an example, like my great grand, I have a, I have a photograph um from 1917 of my great grandfather taking a picture of my grandfather taking a picture of the photographer uh taking a picture of the nurse holding my mom when she was born wow and it's and it and it's and it's so mystical because um you know you see the the crib but she's like you know in the other side of the by the but the crib and you know you can see the curtains it's black and white of course 1917 18 and you see the curtains blowing mystically almost like spiritual like like this ghostly thing coming through and it's amazing and you know you know those are the kind of images i have some great pictures of my great my grandfather you know would he had um incredible dogs and animals and stuff he would take pictures of wildlife and then my aunt at 17 years old, um, she had an affair with an older photographer um, in upstate New York, which I grew up in the Adirondack Mountains in upstate oh, okay. New York. And so um, 
she had an affair with an older photographer and she was his assistant. And what they used to do in 1917 is um, the photographer used to pick a moonless night and go up by horse and buggy with his equipment with my aunt, Catherine. And they used to go up way, way, way into the back woods and seek out these um, glacier, um, Adirondack glacier uh, lakes in ponds, and then we they would hire a guide with a canoe, and the guide would take them out on a moonless night, no moon could had to be completely dark. And they what he would do is the photographer would do is he would go out and they slowly, silently, quietly paddle out to these islands and these glacier lakes and then photograph wildlife in the wild. And my aunt's job was to hold up, in 1917, hold up a powdered flash. Wow. And the flash would go off, as, and the camera would be mounted on the front of the canoe, and the camera would, the shutter would snap as the powdered flash would go off, and then it'd snap again, and the powdered flash would go off again, and you'd get the deer almost in the headlights jumping. Yeah. Everything would be movement. Wow, and that that's so cool. Yeah, and it was really dangerous because, like, I mean, there was no roads then. It was all, like, you know, dirt, and God knew most what the weather was like, and it was middle of nowhere, nobody around. It wasn't like a tourist attraction or anything like like the Adirondack Mountains. And it was very hard to get up there. And, you know, the, most of the people that went up there were, you know, the great camps of the Rockefellers and, you know, the different uh, the different families, you know. That's so cool. I love it up there. Um, so my so my experience yeah. was um you know way back when I was like seven eight years old um you know I joined the boys club and the Boy Scouts and we had a uh photography class and it was so great the photography class they gave us a camera and they said go out and photograph anything you wanted and um, I would come back in black and white and develop the film. They teach us how to develop the film and print the film in their wow. dark rooms. And that's at seven years old. And I would photograph my family and my friends and, and until it was like, you know, that's it. No more yeah. pictures. And so <laughs> then I resorted from that for my family and friends after I like, you know, burned out them from photographs <laughs> i would photograph my animals at because i grew up on a farm i photographed my animals and my favorite animal to photograph my two animals were my two cows hiding in flower and Aww. i used to use them, i used to use them as my models and i said <laughs> to myself well if i can photograph two cows as models i can definitely photograph fashion models <laughs> yeah yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of really kind of started out, and also, um, you know, on our farm we had um a few barns, and one of the barns was only used for hay and tools, and I used to use that barn as my studio. And what was great about the barn is that we had these um, you know, it was kind of dilapidated, so the barn wood slats were falling apart, you know, and it needed work, you know, but I used to photograph inside the barn and bring people in. And then I learned this from the old movies, so black and white movies on TV then, um, Million Dollar Movie, you know, was one of them. But on the, they used to show these old black and white movies and a lot of film war, which you know, which is like, you know, those, you know, where you had slats of light coming through, these shafts of light coming through, like yeah. German expressionist movies and film war movies. And like the thing is, um, I would use the barn slats 
and manipulate the light to get shafts of light into the backgrounds and on my subjects. That's so cool. And I think that's right. Yeah, the, I mean, that's exactly what they did in old Hollywood in the beginning yeah. of Hollywood. You know, where they would take a they would take a you know a structure they would build, maybe put a scrim on top, take out the ceiling, put a scrim on top on the roof, you know, take out the roof and then man manipulate. It'd be like on a, a rotating thing, and they would rotate the structure according to where the light was. That's so cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So I didn't know that. I didn't know that photography uh, and images is uh, your your the what is it fourth generation, third generation? Yeah, it was in my DNA. It was the DMA. It was in my DNA. You know, that's it so was cool. Like natural yeah so then I, I used to you know as far as like you know i photographed everything from cows to chickens the horses the ducks the you know do you name it anything i could photograph i had my camera and you know i'd go my friends you know even later on my friends would let let me you know sit on top of their hood of the car and i'd take a video <laughs> or a camera and start photographing as they drive down these country roads you know yeah i mean just you know that's that was fun then, you know, but I did yeah. everything. I did like auto wrecks and like, you know, you know, uh, junkyards and, and you name it, anything I could get my hands on, you know? That's and then, so cool. um, and then how I got to the city, which was really great. It, like when I was, um, you know, in 68, uh, believe it or not. And I, I mentioned this before, um, that, um, you know, we had the we have we had the gift of you know I grew up in like I said in Adirondack Mountains, so it was really beautiful up there, especially in the you know fall and summer, beautiful times of seasons. But yeah. anyway, um, in um '68, we had the good fortune of Paramount Pictures, Alan J. Capula, the director, who did you know um you know uh, uh you know um. You know, the Sterile Cuckoo, we worked on, that was a movie I worked on, the Sterile Cuckoo with Liza Minnelli. But he came to the Adirondack Mountains with a huge crew from Paramount Pictures. So it was like, almost like, it was like Hollywood coming to the Adirondack Mountains. It was wonderful. And like, yeah. I got a job as a production assistant, um, working on the film for three months. And a lot of times I worked directly driving and being with Eliza Minnelli, and also then she was married to Peter Allen. So he would come up on weekends and he would come up. And, you know, at that time, um, you know, it's talking about early, like 68 at that. I mean, in fall of 68 at that time, you know, there was no paparazzi. It wasn't like paparazzi around and all these cell phones, cell phones around, iPhones around. And yeah. like, you know, real casual and really like no boundaries. So, you know, we would sit down when there was a break during the during the shooting and we'd have lunch. And, you know, I would sit down and be fortunate enough because Liza and I got along. And, you know, we we would sit down and have lunch together. Liza and Peter and I and a few other people would sit down and just chat and just have a great time. Like real natural. Like yeah. no, no bodyguards, no PR, no yeah. items, no paparazzi, nothing like that, you know, so and it was cool. really great. Yeah. And what really stoked my imagination, what stoked me about, because I was in f film and, you know, Liza liked the idea that I was doing film and photography, but I really wanted to pursue film because one of the first days of shooting of the Stereococo, um, it was pouring rain out and the great 
director, Alan J. Bakula, was directing. And we decided to go inside and they built this little staircase and they put this pay telephone there. And the scene was where Liza, you know, the, the sterile cook was about Liza's relationship with another kid in college. And then they kind of like break up and she, you know, gets, she's devastated. And like, that's what kind of it is kind of like, you know, Romance, Romeo, whatever, Ron, whatever. But it's a really beautiful film. It's Liza's first film. And so, you know, she was oh, only really like, cool. Yeah, she was like 17 or 18 at the time. But really stoked me is the fact is the first scene in the movie, the first scene we shot was Liza, who did this 10-minute monologue of inside, when it was pouring rain outside, it's inside in the staircase we built. And she's talking on the payphone to her boyfriend, and her boyfriend's breaking up with her in this 10-minute monologue where she's going through all these emotional trauma, trauma, you know, feelings, emotional yeah. feelings. And I said, and it was amazing. There was only one or two takes she did, but it was a, an amazing, an amazing thing. It was an amazing yeah. to watch her and to go through this scene. And, you know, it was just, it just, well, I was nothing, I saw nothing like it ever. And, yeah. you know, that scene, that scene alone is the one reason, I mean, outside of the movie, but the one reason that she was nominated for Academy Award for that movie. Oh, cool. For that one, for the Cerro Coco. So she so, was you nominated, know, sorry, she was nominated for her first movie ever? Yeah. She was That's nominated crazy. For <laughs> no, I mean, that wasn't her first movie. She was in other movies with her mom, Judy. Oh, Garland, okay. You know? But her first movie alone, you know, she starred in, you know, she was in other movies when she was little. That's you know, crazy. Whatever. Yeah. But, but, um, you know, Liza and I got along and we, you know, she said to me, Dunstan, she said, you know, when the movie, you know, ended, it wrapped up and they went back to Hollywood, you know, Liza said to me, Dunstan, you should go to film school in New York or come to Hollywood and work in film. And yeah. photography, you like visual much. And I took her advice and I went, that's how I wound up in New York City. And I went, I wound up in New York City and I looked around. I said, look at I could I want to go to film school. And I had my choices between USC, Cal Arts, um, Temple University, NYU, or School of Visual Arts. And I picked School of Visual Arts in New York City because um I really wanted to be in New York where the energy was at the time. Not yeah. that it wasn't a cow, but at the time. But also, um, at that time, I was I was I met the Andy some of the Andy Warhol superstars, yeah. and I wanted to be around them, and I wanted to film them and photograph them, and I wanted to hit the deck running. That's so cool! And, Thank God you did. And, <laughs> and I've been and, and I've been the I've been on that deck ever since. <laughs> yeah, no, that's so cool, and um. Yeah, can you talk about what like what that was like at I mean I guess everyone was young but what what that was like when you're young um just going from the Adirondacks to the city and finding that Well, you know, I had like it's funny you said everybody's young. It's so funny. It's true. But you know, <laughs> but I mean, I remember um 
you know, I I already my my I had an older brother that lived in the heart of Greenwich Village oh, from cool. 1962. So I would go down there when I was in um middle school and in high school and on breaks and you know summer breaks and different you know breaks during vacation and and stay with him and he would walk me around and you know i would know the terrain I would, like i went to electric circus with him you know so like cool. way back when you know yeah. so when i was really young i was around all the you know hanging around all the cafes like the finchon the rienji the figaro like you name it you know and all the clubs and so like i was you know, lucky enough, when I got there in 68, I kind of knew the terrain of New York, you know, the village, downtown New York, you know, the village. Yeah. So um, it was like, so it wasn't really like, you know, I didn't have to like kind of start over. I kind of knew the terrain. And, and also, you know, um, when I, when I started, you know, like I told you, I met Ingrid Superstar, um, one of the Andy Warhol superstars in, yeah. in, in, uh, Central Park every Sunday around the Bethesda Fountain, they used to um, have this really incredible, like kind of hippie gathering where everybody used to dress up the King King's Road, you know, in in London, and all their London dandy clothes, wow. and it was so wonderful. That so everybody cool. used to dress to the nines, and then they used to parade around the Bethesda Fountain <laughs> over and over again. You know, and I used to take pictures and that's when I met Ingrid Superstar while parading around the fountain. And she said, Dustin, I want you to come with me and meet someone and to meet somebody. Someone, yeah. would, you know, would love to meet you. They'll love to meet you. So that's when she brought me down to the factory on 33 Union Square and and, and introduced me to Andy. That's so cool. Way back when, you know. That's so cool. And uh, is that, I guess, like, yeah, talk about that. Tell me about that. And also, like, I know you too were a model. Uh, can yeah. you talk about? Yeah, all I, that? I, I, you know, you know, doing film. You know, I was shooting a lot of sixteen millimeter film, eight millimeter, super eight film at the time, and sixteen millimeter, and it was very expensive. So yeah. you know, I had to hustle in any way I could. So I used to hustle modeling. You know, I used to model a lot, do fashion, and you know, editorial and uh, and advertising a lot, and you know, make money off that. Whatever money I could make, believe yeah. me, trust me. I I worked at great bookstores, A Street Bookshop, where all everybody used to come in, like Dion Arbus and and Allen Ginsberg and 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 Robert Frank, and you know I used to chat to them, and then I moved on to the to the um, Grove Press, Barney Ross at Grove Press Publishing, where they did all kinds of incredible banned books now, and also I ran the um, experimental film department there. And with Barney, and we did the first Grove Press Film Festival together at the Bleecker Street Cinema, and that was wonderful. Plus, you know, I used to hang out with all the all the Warhol people, which was really great. The superstars, and use them, and film them, and and photograph them, and uh, and um, you know, go out. I had Andy and I when I met Andy. When Ingrid introduced me to Andy, I used to go up to the factory. I wasn't a factory boy, so I didn't go every, all the time, once in a while. But mostly Andy and I hung out at the cabarets in the back room of Max's and just really like kind of very low key, you know, small, teeny community and very low key. It was really no big deal. You know, yeah. Andy Warhol, Andy Warhol was an artist, you know, of course, he was a great artist and people re kind of respected him, but 
you know, it wasn't like a big deal celebrityism. Now we didn't have that kind of culture then, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, you had Marilyn Monroe and Sophia right. Loren, you know, whatever. But you know what? During that during that time, it was really no big deal. That, you know, going and Andy said, "Hey, Dustin, you want to go to Trudy House? You want to go here? You want to go here? You want to have dinner here? We go to dinners. We go out to the Hamptons, Bridge Hampton, and." And hang out for the weekend in, you know, Algonquin Hotel. We'd have dinners at the Algonquin Hotel with, you know, Andy's money people. And, yeah. you know, but it was no big deal. It was like, you know, just hanging around. Yeah. Well, I guess, like, I mean, you've seen everything and the coolest stuff. But, yeah, I guess it's just, can, do you, can you speak at all to why you think, like, of all, you know, Andy Warhol is, like, um, everybody knows who that is, you know, not it, it, one of those times in New York that will, I think, stand the test of time forever. Do you why do you think that is about him and that scene that people just know what that is um, compared to even, you know, like CBGBs or what happened 10 years later? Like, why do you think the factory Andy Warhol maxes? Why do you think that that's just like everybody knows what that is? Well, you know, at the you know, going back into in the history of Andy, you know, like, you know, during that time he was respected, but he wasn't huge a hundred percent respected. In other words, like he always wanted the celebrity respect of other Hollywood. And he was yeah. always like after that, that <laughs> Hollywood. That's why he did a lot of portraits, you know. But the thing is, um, in answer to your question about Andy Warhol, you know. The reason why is it's magical. He saw it coming. He saw it coming. And the reason why he saw it coming, because Andy Warhol's everywhere. He's everywhere. He's in, he's vapor. He's in the <laughs> air. He's always with us. He's vapor. That's and so cool. you cannot, you cannot, anything you touch, anything you breathe, anything you feel, there's a Warhol tag on it. He branded it. Andy branded the universe, that's and it's so amazing. Cool. Yeah, yeah, and he, awesome. he, and you know what? And that's why, like, you know, it's amazing. I mean, like, that's why anywhere you go, not just a Campbell soup can, not just you know the disaster paintings, anything like that, but any commodity, any commercialization, it's a Warhol. It's a Warhol spirit. You know, there's a Warhol vapor. And like he'll always be with us. He'll never leave. Never. Andy Warhol will never leave. <laughs> That's so cool. And did would you say you had fun hanging out with him? Yeah, I mean, you know, Andy was, you know, Andy was quiet. You know, Andy, as you know, you know, like, you know, would, you know, retort to like, you know, I mean, we'd have fun off the like, you know, if we would go out to the, the Hamptons or something or go someplace, we'd have fun and kid around and goof around and do stuff and everything. But and it was really funny. It's just when he wasn't working, when he was working, he was working. But the thing is, uh, and then he was if he was back in the factory in his office, he was working, you know. Okay. But the thing is, um, you know, mostly Andy was always, you know, out, you know, outside his courses his team and his silk screens and his you know his paintings and his portraits you know he's working like that but he was also planning on where he was going to go who is going to like Andy Warhol diaries you know yeah he always wanted to record you know with his with his tape recorder with his polaroid with his you know, instrument with his 
autofocus camera. He always wanted to record the moment. And that's how I learned too, because that's that was that's my style, as you know, is to record the moment, spontaneity, yeah. you know. It's like being, you know, that fleeting moment that's always that's there and that's not there. Yeah. Well, you're a master of recording the moment. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> all of your photos are so incredible. I guess that's that's super cool. Um, yeah, it does and did he take photos of you? Yeah, Andy took photos of me. Yeah, okay, I mean, I, I I never, I never, like I said, I was never a factory boy. I yeah. always made a point of keeping it very low key behind the scenes. I didn't want to be seen, you know. I did, I didn't want to be, you know. I, I wasn't one of the the factory boys, so yeah. I, I didn't want, I didn't want to be. But Andy respected my work. He respected me. He told me I was incredibly creative. It was yeah. he really loved my work and he loved the idea that I was working with, you know, the superstars and he, you know, the candy and candy darling and Jackie Curtis and Hollywood Lone and Taylor Mead and Sylvia Miles and and they were all friends of mine. They were all community. So and so, cool. you know, I just kept, you know, just you know, that that's what I did. That's what it, that's what it was, you know. And um so, you know, um you know, Andy, you know, I mean, there were a lot of times I get at that time, you know, Andy's, uh, you know, Andy's paintings, you know, the superstars never really wanted a painting from Andy. Andy would, Andy would, you know, cast the super, you know, can, uh, Holly or Candy or Jackie or, you know, Undine or Mary Warnoff or, you know, anybody in, in even, I know Joe has a painting, but, you know, some most, mostly 99% of the superstars never took a painting. Like, Hollywood Lawn, Candy Dolan, Jack Curtis, they wanted the hundred dollars. They didn't want any oral painting. They never knew it was going to be worth $40 million, you know. <laughs> they wanted the money. They they didn't they wanted the money and Andy wanted to pay him in paintings. In fact, I I remember in 1972, Taylor, Taylor Mead, who was one of the superstars, he was in a lot of Andy Warhol's movies, but he was in Lonesome Cowboys, one movie with Eric Emerson and Viva. And I remember Andy paid him by giving him of the four Mick Jagger lips paintings, the silkscreen, signed. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful paintings. I mean, they're worth $40 million each now. Oh but in God. 1972, I remember walking down in Greenwich Village, walking down Sixth Avenue toward A Street, and I see Taylor coming, and it's the summer. And I see Taylor coming toward me, and he's flapping, flipping around a $100 bill. And I said, Taylor, where'd you get the $100 bill? He goes, I just sold my Andy Warhol for Mick Jaggers for $100. And he said, let's go to the Nine Circle Steakhouse and get steaks and drinks. And we blew it all in 25 minutes. Oh, my God. I mean, that's how it was then, you know? Andy, yeah. used, to, Andy used to say to me, Dustin, why don't you go in the back and take a painting? But I never did. I never took a painting through hook or crook. I never did. But you know what? <laughs> Gerard Malenga, who did a lot of Andy Warhol silk screens, you know that. He did the cows yeah. and a lot of stuff, a lot of the, the crash paintings and stuff. You know, um, I asked him just the other day, Gerard and I are very good friends for years from way back when, the factory days. And, you know, Gerard said, Dustin, I never took a painting either. Never. So, you know, some people did and some people didn't. Most people didn't. Yeah. Most people didn't. Yeah. Well, I think there's no way to know, uh, you know, 
Damn. Yeah, looking back at it, I wish Andy, I you know, I could have done it, but I didn't. But I could have asked Andy to do a portrait of me. Oh. Wish I could. He would have done one. He would Yeah. have done me. I wish I did. But you know, then he was doing portraits. Like my association. See, you know what? It's like that movie Rosh's on the Japanese movie. Everybody's got a different story of Andy Warhol. Yeah. Everybody. True or not true. Even Yeah. Yeah, though yeah, Andy yeah. Warhol died, Andy Warhol diaries, believe what you want. You know, you believe what you want. You're entitled to believe what you want, you know. Um, but the thing is, um, you know, uh, it, you know, like back in those, back in, in, in the Warhol days, in the early days, it was, uh, you know, it was a different time. It was like, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, you just rolled. You Yeah. just rolled. It was community. It was more fun to me. I mean, I have fun now, but it was a little bit, it was more fun. People hung out and, you know, it wasn't, there wasn't that many boundaries in, you know, it wasn't guarded. It wasn't many boundaries. And like I
and Iggy used to come to town. And that's when I met Iggy. Iggy used to stay with Danny at times, not all the time, but at times. And then we used to get stoned, you know, on weed and then walk <laughs> over to Max's or, or Garo's or wherever we went. And this yeah. was like 1970, 69, 70. And, okay. um, and, you know, that was the great thing about it. And we'd just walk over. I mean, that was the, you know, that was the, that was the specialness of the times that you could form and be in relation, real relationships with real people without iPhones, without any distraction. You had real-time talk, real-time conversations. And you know what? And it was really nice because, you know, you got to know people, respected people. They respected me for my art, my talent. And it was a two-way street. And, you know, from there, you just roll to one thing, to another thing, to another thing, to another thing. And that's how that's how it kind of you know mounted up. But in those times, it was a little it was easier because you know people had the overhead was low, and not only you know people had twelve fifty a month apartments, but forty dollar a month, seventy five dollar a month, they had lost for a hundred dollars a month apartments. You know, but the thing is, um, they had you know down in Soho was all industrial trucks, and you know they had raw space lofts, and people would go down, and you know we'd make these films and in videos and early videos and films and 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 you know and you know with Peter Jar and Maplethorpe and and everything. Everybody was a community. It was easy access. So everybody is around. Everybody knew everybody, and everybody's around. And there was a lot of fusion between music and the art and the painting and film and photography. It was a it was a community, and it wasn't is not that people were not competitive, but they were competitive in a positive, good way, because yeah. there was a community, and like people. I don't know. It was a little easier then. Maybe I don't know. It's like more competitive with the iPhones or whatever, social media or whatever. But it was it was easier because you know you could form these relationships and people would steer you and help you and you know embrace your work and you know it would move you forward on another level. So yeah. you know you know so that energy that energy whether it's spiritual energy artistic energy psychic energy whatever it was it was a give and take situation yeah. so community a community yeah. spiritual friends yeah well i think that's so cool that's like super cool i feel like people if you needed like your like community or social fix like you had to go outside um you couldn't get that fix inside you like to you know there wasn't a way to do it like you could talk on the phone I guess but yeah you needed to see people and I think there was less people um so it was easier to meet meet, pe meet people as well uh, yeah I less people like. and less people with boundaries you know like all this <laughs> stuff you know the, yeah. the, you know what for some reason like you know not, not knocking anything but they seem like less I mean, I, people had issues, but it seemed like less issues, you know? Yeah. Well, I think that that makes sense. I think, uh, you know, before you'd only hear the opinions of like three or four people a day, maybe like the guy at the grocery store or the, you know, this person, that person. Now you're just overloaded with thousands of opinions and, you know, it's really confusing. <laughs> 
it is. It is. There's a lot to, uh, you know, you have to edit. There's a lot of editing today, you know, yeah. pick, and choose. pick and choose your winners. Yeah. But it seems you like know? you've always, I mean, it's like you're devoted, it seems like to um, like counterculture and also just alternative sort of um, lifestyles and all these different things that I think, you know, is there like, is there any particular reason you think that you're attracted to sort of like pop culture or whatever you want to call it? Um, or do you, is it like, or is it just because it's the most visually exciting or what, why do you think you're attracted to that? Well, I'll tell you, honestly, I, I really believe in it. I, I don't want to sound pompous, but I think it's in my DNA. That, that's not pompous. That's cool. <laughs> but but the thing is, honestly, I've always been attracted to the underdog, the people that are struggling, that need help. I mean, in bands, you know yourself in bands that didn't have no money, didn't have any money. They were very extremely talented. I was attracted to the talent, um, the artistic talent, and I really wanted to. You know, it was a two way street because you know I could form these relationships and be with bands, music wise or fashion wise young designers or designers and yeah. you know whatever i could give because you know like they say you got to give it away to keep it and it was a two way street and they would they would help me out you know and like you know we just form these relationships and partnerships and and just keep on keeping on you know yourself from many years ago you know that's i followed the same path you know yeah. and, and was, i'm always there to lend a hand yeah yeah no a big part of as much the instruments i played having you there when we played was you know equally as important uh sort of like a sixth member of the band um, <laughs> you know but yeah but, so also, I, but also the second part of that question is yeah. i've always been attracted to newness the newness of things and so whether it's the newness in in art the newness in music, the newness, the newness in photography, anything that I could see, I could smell. I could yeah. smell people that were like the newness. They were doing new things, exciting things, taking risks. And I love the idea of taking like you, you take taken risks all your life. You know, <laughs> you've changed up, you've changed up and like, you know, re, you know, not reinvented, but you know, where you've just you know, mold yourself into these different alien things. <laughs> and I Thank love you. it, you know? No, yeah. but I love, I love the fact I followed you many, many years and I, <laughs> I love your music and I love your band. But, but the Thank thing you. is, um, I've always been attracted to that in every level yeah. and every field in fashion, music, photography, art, you name it. Yeah. You know, well, looking at your, I mean, just like uh, I was just looking at your, um, instagram page and reading some stuff about you just to kind of try and yeah find i guess that that word is new new stuff and and also underdogs is like you really i can't really think of any other photographer that has such a dedication to i guess new stuff um in um you know without it being and you don't have like one type of person or you know gender sexuality there isn't one thing that you're or and I feel like most people do have like a one kind of thing that is their main interest, but you really have um, it's a, a whole 
everything. You're interested in everything, I guess, uh, just to see what. Yeah, I, I really believe in totally equality, you know, for everybody, you know, freedom, freedom of self, freedom of identity and freedom of artistic choice. And, Hell this, yeah. you know, I've always, I grew up that way and that's the way I am today. And I've always been that way. And, and, you know, for, for going out for me and seeking the newness is not just to take a, a picture that's, you know, I don't know, I don't want to say exciting or something, but I know that if it's new and people are taking risks, that they're struggling and I want to be there to help out as they're struggling. You that's know, that's so really cool. important. And, and, you know, be a part of that, be a part of that, you know, that, that whole feel from the start. And, that's you know, so yourself, cool. you, you know, yourself, I, you know, from bands and from things that's, and I'm really grateful for that. I'm really grateful because a lot of the, a lot of people, the bands and the fashion uh, designers and the fashion and the models and everything, man, they're, I grew I, I don't want to say that, but I mean, I'm older than them, but I grew up, they grew up. Yeah. You know, they grew up, you know, I'm not, I known a lot of these models from 20 something years ago. Yeah. It's like, you know, 13 or 14 years old, you know, and yeah. they grew up and I watched them grow up in my camera and, yeah. you know, well, in my, yeah, so no, great about it. You know, I have this archive of these pictures of these kids that are, you know, from the years ago, you know, that they're, they're there. And it's wonderful, wonderful, great shots that we've, you know, it was a team effort. It's all a team effort, you know, we yeah. go out, you know, yourself, when we take a lot of those great CD covers or whatever we did, you know, <laughs> we go out, we take these pictures and it was a whole team effort. Yeah. We dress, you know, the clothes and everything would all come together. It was like, yeah. magic. it was like magic. Yeah, no, it's so cool. I mean, that's just something I noticed over the years that, and I, yeah, really appreciate talking to you. Sometimes there's certain, you know, photos you have where I'm like, I don't understand that fashion or I don't get what they're doing. But it's it's really cool to hear you say that the almost the more the more weird or far out or maybe things that don't make sense like that's that person needs more support um, than the next guy. And that's that's really cool. Um because, yeah, I've just been watching, and you, you know, it's like, I don't know if it's like club kids or whatever, but sometimes I'm like, I don't understand that. And uh, it's cool. It's cool that it's documented. It's cool that you document it. And um, and it's cool that you care about it. You know, you're yeah, well, you're yeah. so cool, Dustin. <laughs> well, no, thanks, Bonnie. So are you. But but <laughs> but the thing is, for you know, for me, as you know, that, you know, the world's always spinning. And so things are changing all the time. And we always, like myself, I always have to start over again every day. I have to start over and rethink, you know, and think and use what I have in my brain and everything and use my experience and knowledge and history of not just me, but my ancestors and other ancestors and the, you know, the whole tribe, all different tribes. Because I love belonging to all different tribes. It's really important to me to connect the connectedness and the community of other tribes. You know what? People today, especially young people, they really uh, would benefit. And I'm not saying they don't because they do. A lot of them do. They would benefit from going back 
and the old storytelling days and listening to the, you know, knowing their history, the historical history, the real story, not the embellished history, but the real is historical and learning yeah. that because you learn from your past, you know, and also storytelling from the, the early days of thousands of years ago, sitting around a campfire and for the elders telling stories, that's really spiritual. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, what you're doing is you're gathering of the spirits and that's really important because the spirits are the one that hold the information, that hold the artistic knowledge, and that that hold the magic. Yeah. And what does just like what does that mean to you? The spirits is it is it like your guides or can you hear them or is it who you pray to? Just in your definition of it. Well, I definitely hear my son every day. That's for sure. You know, so he's a spiritual guy. That's my son. But yeah, I mean, I mean, Thank you know, thank you for sharing that. This I'm world, so this world, and the other, the outer the world, the spiritual world, yeah, is very close to me. Is very close to me. I listen to it. You That's know, so I cool. listen to it, and it also, you know, there's no coincidence. I this is what I believe. There's yeah. no coincidences in life. Where you're at is where you're at. You know, and you know, trust. And you have to trust the universe. Yeah. And so it's really important to me to honor and embrace universal love, universal you know, companionship and community. That's so cool. I, f I feel that way too. I didn't know that that was uh, something that was important to you. I feel so, so happy to hear you say that, <laughs> you know, Thanks. um, and I didn't know, uh, that you're super connected to the spirit uh, realm. Um, and I think that that's so cool. Um, do, do you feel like you always have been? Yeah, I do. Because you know what? I grew up in the Adirondack Mountains, which yeah. is all around nature. And nature is very spiritual and very yeah. healing. So like, you know what? I grew up with a history of thousands and thousands and thousands of years of ancestors and tribes. So yeah, of course. That's I mean, so awesome. I would, in yeah. the mix, in the mix. Yeah, I miss I miss those those New York mountains. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I guess I, before I let you go, I'm just curious. Is uh, or a couple questions? Is do you prefer taking live photos to um, studio photos, or do you have no preference? Well, it all depends when you say studio photos. I mean, as far as sittings where someone's, where we're doing a sitting like the British Vogue or cover, you know, where, you know, you have like five or six hours of makeup in here and, you know, you kind of like, you know, put the bag in, take the bag out, put the belt in, take the bag out. <laughs> That's not my style. Okay. I did that before. I used to do that before, but man, I yeah. tell you, I got ADHD and I lose interest real fast yeah that's, i am I more of a person i am more of a person that tries to make lemonade from lemons not that it's lemons that i shoot but you know what i mean i really yeah. like i like cinema i grew up in underground films and photography i grew up in cinema verite i grew up um you know doing things on the fly and i think that magic happens sometimes at the spur of the moment yeah and I don't want, and that's where the spontaneity and energy comes from, being on the fly. Yeah, that catching it, catching that fleeing moment. 
Yeah, that's my favorite too. I like I like all our records are kind of improvised. I don't like practicing and I don't like doing things more than a few times. Um, but and then I guess do you like have um I mean your photos get used for all the coolest stuff because you have photos of the coolest people and coolest stuff, but do you have a favorite photo you've ever taken? Not really, you know. Okay. I mean, I, I, I like all my <laughs> sisters and brothers and, and okay. sons and daughters. <laughs> okay. And, Sorry, and I would I, be annoyed all, if someone I love asked all my that. children that I Okay. photographed. That's fair. That's fair. I just thought I I just thought I should ask. Um Yeah, I just... Yeah, and then I guess last question is you know, like you've seen You've seen the scene for the last whatever amount of years that been on the pulse of the cool scene. Um, and so this your answer to this is official is do you feel hopeful for the future of fashion music and, um, you know, just the the young the young new stuff? Do you feel like there will always be cool new stuff or Or do you do you feel positive or negative about that? Oh my God, I feel so hopeful and positive. Yay! Are you kidding me? There's so many great things happening and there's so many great things about to happen. I mean, the magic is there. It's there for the taking. And like, you know what? I tell you, with New York, wherever you are around the world internationally, I mean, I'm I'm hopeful that things are getting better. They're going to get better and that, you know, we're, it's it's to, to me it's all good you know what we've been this world's been around a long time this earth and there's some great music some great arts and great everything photography you know you know made and created and the thing is it's it's always gonna it's always gonna be around it's always gonna be around like andy said about that 15 minutes well you know fortunately you know people are gonna have longer than 15 minutes you know But you know, like I, 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 for me, you've asked the right person about being passionate. You've asked the right person. It's all like you know, all free sailing, man. It's, it's you know, full speed ahead. good well thank you so much is there um i'll attach all your links to this but is there anything you want to tell uh, um anything you want to announce coming up or anything any last messages you want to give Well, I have a I have a show, the second show now at the Roxy Hotel in New York in Tribeca that um just was installed yesterday. Okay. And it's on now until March 21st. Cool. And it's um it's called Underground Glamour. Okay. And it's really cool. It's really cool. It's Cool. from the 70s. A lot of a lot of images, huge, large images from the 70s. And um The one before that was, um, you know, one of the, sh the, the, sh the, the shots were Lou Reed and I saw it. I yeah. went And, there. <laughs> uh, okay. And, yeah. and it, and it was called just be, because that's how I really like, as you know, how I like to approach my, uh, community is, you know what, it's a two way street. And like, you know what, I can come in with my, you know, kind of visions and ideas, But it's uh it's a teamwork effort. And it's just because I don't want to take away that natural energy 
from either a, a band I'm shooting or an artist I'm shooting or whoever I'm shooting. I want their whole spiritual inspiration. And also, um, in September of 2024, um, I have a book coming out. My first book was Rizzoli. Rizzoli Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. So that's going to be fun, you know. And and it's a a book that's a a combination of a lot of things. It's the first Women's Rights March in 1970, the first Pride March in 1970. you know, uh, a lot of the early uh, uh, things going on with the uh, the Vietnam War protests march in Washington. And um, there's a lot of cool music, early music from Iggy to, you know, you name it, the Stones, you name it. And there's a lot of the um, social ladies and, you know, the Met Galas and the early days of the honor of Reland, a lot of fashion. Uh, it should be a real cool book. It's all black and white, very gritty, very downtown New York. Cool. Well, thank you so much for everything, Dustin. I love you. And can I just can I just say that my Instagram is Dustin Pop? Yes. And and also, um, you can always reach me on my email, DustinPop at gmail.com. And I really appreciate this 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 talk, Bonnie. Thank you so much for 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 just thinking about me. It's such an honor. I'm oh so my god. Beautiful. The honor is all mine. I'm such a huge fan of yours and yeah, I just everything you just said is uh is what I needed to hear moving so I'm closing out this year and trying to open up a new year in art. Uh you made me hopeful, so thank you so much. I love you. Thanks, Bonnie. I love you too. Thank you so much. Happy happy holiday to everybody and everybody in your band. I give them all my love. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, buddy. Bye-bye.